Well, good morning to you. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. This is my first time, my first uh, opportunity. I've always, they say that confession is good for the soul, so I'm going to confess. Hang on. I, uh, I've been fearful about coming here. No? <laughs> Ms. President? That was, that was something from missions class this morning. I, I've been fearful about coming here because uh, although I live in Ontario and although our weather is occasionally bad, I've been scared of the winters in New Brunswick. Now, is that justified? Some days, yes. And, and I have, I just have a magnetic personality, please, no comments. I have a magnetic personality when it comes to going someplace and the blizzard of whatever year that is, the worst one in 100 years occurs. I went to school at Tennessee Temple many, year, many years ago. One of the highest snowfalls ever recorded in Chattanooga, Tennessee was there when I was at school. Traffic stopped. The snow was so deep that traffic stopped and did not move. The snow must have been that deep. It's true. I was on a curve in a car, my car, on an incline on that curve, and the cars started sliding down because the snow was more ice than it was snow, and the cars started sliding down this curve. And uh, fortunately, somebody had the presence of mind of taking their foot off the brake and moving. And, and we actually drove out of it. Oh, it was a horrible, horrible situation. I drove to Scroon Lake, New York. Uh, many years ago, I was on staff. My wife and I were on staff with Word of Life. And we drove to Scroon Lake, New York in a huge blizzard with a guy from Minnesota. And he thought that his car was a snowmobile. And we were driving 110, 120 kilometers per hour over ice and snow-packed roads. And we thought for sure, at least those of us, Tammy and I, in the back seat. Do you remember that ride? No heat in the back seat. And we thought for sure that we were going to die. We didn't. And uh, so we're, we're very thankful. So I've been fearful about coming up here. But I found a solution. It's called September. So I'm very happy and pleased to be here with you. And I promise, now that I've gotten here once, I'll, I'll be sure that the rental car has, has snow, tri- snow tires, snow treads on it, and so we'll be good. Uh, we have a display that is set up over in the, the dining room area. Where's Jack? Jack, did you leave? Oh. Right down. Um, it's over in the dining room area, okay, over in that area. And so you can see it. You can pick up some, uh, some materials. 
Um, Every good missionary has a prayer card, but uh, we are a little bit unique. I decided to do something several years ago that I don't know of any other missionary that does it. Uh, As my position with ABWE is, is ministry director, as I told the missions class, that means that I do everything the president doesn't want to do. Um, so what do I do? Well, I cover all of Canada. And how do you have a picture for Canada, for one picture for Canada? It's, it's nearly impossible. And so all of our other ministry and everything. So we have 12 different prayer cards. I brought eight of them. So I didn't just bring eight cards. I brought eight different pictures. So this particular one is of Word of Life Bible Institute in the Philippines. I've taught there for the last 12 years. And so you can pick up that one or you can pick up Banff or uh, Peggy's Cove or uh, there's another one um, for, for New Brunswick, Nova Scotia area. And so you can pick up one of those. So please pick up one of our prayer cards if you'd like to pray for us. We would appreciate that. And there's some other information there on the table as well. ABWE has been around since 1927. We have uh, about 940 missionaries around the world in 60 countries. Uh, Those of you who are in missions class, you get to hear this again. Sorry. Uh, Then in addition to that, we're in about 15 restricted access countries that we don't talk a whole lot about, but if you ask us, maybe I'll tell you something, but probably not. So um, we love students from here. We have had, uh, we have several graduates of your school and we like your school a whole lot and we have a very good relationship with you and so we hope that you will, if you're interested in missions, we hope that you will consider us. Uh, We are an older mission, like I said, we've been around since 1927, but we are progressive enough to do things a little bit on the cutting edge and occasionally the bleeding edge and we like to, to do things around the world and be very strong in all that we do. We highly value education. We highly value our, our doctrinal position. And so we, we like it when we get students from you guys because we know that you have the same values and beliefs that we do, at least hopefully. So take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Mark. What we are going to do here today and tomorrow is to look at two brief scenes out of the life of Jesus. Now, we typically don't take Jesus as our missionary model, but I think that he carries with us a very good example in in several different areas, particularly in some of the, the accounts that he gives us of, of things that occurred. So Mark chapter 2 is where we are going to look today. Mark chapter 2. And we will read the first few verses. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, so that they, uh, so that when they had broken through, they let down on the bed the man, uh, uh, the paralytic, uh, on which the paralytic was lying. 
And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful this morning for the opportunity to be here. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in the hearing of your word. Lord, what a precious gift it is to us. It is something that that we we at times take for granted. But Father, may we take it and we may we apply it to our hearts, may we listen with our minds, may we put it into action with our hands and our feet. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We just uh, last week celebrated 9-11. Uh, 9-11, if, you're, if you don't catch that connection real quickly, was 11 years ago where uh, two uh, aircraft were slammed into the twin towers of the World Trade Center in New York City. There were thousands upon thousands of people that died as a result of those two terrorist acts that day and, and then the one other that, or the two others that took place at the Pentagon and then also in the field of, of Pennsylvania. I'm 55 years old, and when that occurred, I was about 45, and Living in the States, I hold dual citizenship. Uh, my, my mother's family is from Alberta. And, and as a result of, of that act, of that act um, I became burdened with the um, aspect of serving my country, of serving, of giving back to my country. And so I... Uh, I decided that I would become a, I became a firefighter. And I was driving by the, the fire station near our house, small volunteer fire department. And as I drove by, I thought, and there was a sign out front, and it said, volunteers needed. And I thought, I could never do that. Now, I'm a good Baptist, Okay. God doesn't speak to Baptists outside verbally, okay? That just doesn't happen. But as I'm driving over the railroad tracks on County Road 13, my wife can picture where this is at, as I'm crossing the railroad tracks, I said, I could never do that after I saw the sign that said volunteers needed. And God spoke to my heart, and I heard him say, you never know till you try. And so I made a phone call. And the one guy in the entire department that professed outwardly to be a, a believer answers the phone. And when I told him that I wanted to come and I wanted to be a chaplain with the department, he said, oh, please come. We need a chaplain bad. So I went. And I applied. And sometimes I'm slow at catching things. And so I went through the training program and the first day of class, the chief got up there and he said, all right, all of you are going to learn how to do everything because on a fire ground, we can't have you saying, I don't know how to do it. So I thought, wow, I wonder what everything means. Well, by the time it was done, I was a state certified firefighter. 
I was what here in Canada we would call a paramedic. In the States, I was an advanced EMT. I could ride in the back of the ambulance with a patient, start an IV, and push a few drugs and things. No narcotics, no heart medication. But I could do a few things like that. I was a state-certified fire instructor, highest level that you could become. I was an instructor for trauma, pre-hospital trauma. I was a CPR instructor, so if you fall over right now, okay, I want you to know if it calls for mouth-to-mouth, you're going to die. Okay? <laughs> but I'll pump on your chest as long as you want me to. And, and it was a great thing. I drove fire trucks. I worked the pump. I put on the pack. I crawled in fires. I've had flames going over my head. I've had flames burst around me. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I really miss it. There's something about driving a fire truck at 3 o'clock in the morning at 110 kilometers into oncoming traffic. That is just fun. <clears throat> As a, as a paramedic, as, a, as an EMT, you would get calls and you would go to people's houses. And we would get calls and they were called lift assist. Any idea what a lift assist is? Yes. A lift assist is to help somebody get back in bed or back into their chair because they're too big to get up. Occasionally, it would be in a tub. That's not fun at all. Any firefighter or paramedic who's been on the job, who has done uh, rescue work like that, medical work like that, for any length of time, probably has back problems. I do. It's from lifting too many patients that weigh 200 kilos the wrong way. And you never can lift them the right way. And, And 200 kilos is small. In pounds... The largest patient we ever had that I remember was 740 pounds. I don't know what that is in kilos, but I think when you put it down on the scale or on the conversion, it comes up and it says, really big. (laughs) Jesus here in this passage comes to Capernaum. Elsewhere in Scripture, it says that Capernaum is his own city. It was his base of operations during much of his ministry in the northern part. And while he is there, he's quiet. The the changing of of water into wine has just taken place, and his fame is starting to spread. And as a result of that, he's kind of quiet. He's there in the house, and nobody knows that he's there for a few days. And the lady of the house, she goes out to the backyard, and she's hanging togas on the clothesline or whatever it was that they wore. Probably togas. And her next-door neighbor is hanging up her clothes, and she says, there's a lot of activity at your house, I noticed. She goes, oh, yeah, not really, no. She says, you seem to have guests. Oh, no. Who's your company? I can't tell you. Sure you can. We've been neighbors for so long. You can tell me. You know you can trust me. Well... You promise not to tell? Absolutely. Not a soul. She says, Jesus. Jesus? Of Nazareth. 
The one that changed water into wine? Yes, that's the one. The one that, yes, that's the one. And he's got like 10, 12 guys following him? Yes, that's the one. He's at your house? Yes, but not a word, I promise. Well, I'm done, see you. And she went into the house and she picked up the phone. You say they did not have phones. She picked up the tin can. And she told all of her friends that Jesus was there. And people started to come. And they came, there were so many that came. They stood in the doors. They stood in the house. They stood in the windows. They were all through the house. In fact, if you have a King James Bible, it says even the newspapers and the television and the radio people were there. You say, it does not. Look at your Bible if you have a King James Bible. It says they could not come close because of the press. The press were there. No, that's not what it means. It's because of the force of the people. There were so many people there. Now in Capernaum, the word spread. And a guy heard about Jesus was there. So he went over to his friend's chariot shop. And he had a chariot up on the lift and he was changing the oil. And he was changing the oil that day and he said, Jesus is in town. And he says, you mean of Nazareth? And he says, yes, the one that changed. Yes, 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 that one. And he says, let's go see him. And they grabbed two of their friends on the way. And they got halfway there and they stopped. And they said, we have to stop. Because there's not, we're not a group of four. We're a group of five. And they turned around and they ran back and they gave a lift assist to their friend who was paralyzed. This isn't going to offend you, brother, is it? Okay, good. We're going to talk more. This friend was paralyzed. Now this guy weighed 250 kilos. You say, how do you know that? Because I'm preaching this. This is my story. It's a little embellishment. They picked him up and they took him and they could not get near Jesus. And the people said, stop, stop. Can't you see we're trying to listen to Jesus? Now many of the houses in that period and in that area had stairs that went up to the top. This one did not. You say, how do you know? Because it's my, my message. And so one of the guys said, look, you go down to the home hardware and you get some rope. You go down to the lumber yard and you get a piece of plywood. You go, and they sent out all these assignments. And they got up on the roof and Luke says that they tore up the tiles. And they tore up the tiles and they found a little spot. Now Jesus was standing at the corner of the, of the dining room and the living room. You say, how do you know? Because that's the biggest spot in the entire house where the most people could hear. And Jesus was standing there. And the owner of the house, if it was my house, you know where I would be? You know where you would be? Right there. Right in front listening with Jesus. Because Jesus is preaching the word to them. That's a great verse. And so he hears the pitter-patter of feet up on the roof. And he says, what's going on? 
And he doesn't say it. He just says it in his mind. He goes, there's somebody on my roof. And Jesus bends down and says, it's okay. I already know. Don't worry. It'll be okay. And they tear up the roof. and They tear up a little bitty hole. And the guy goes, over here, about one meter. And they moved it. And they tore not a little hole, but a big hole. Because you can't lower a bed like this. You have to lower it like this. And they lower the bed down. And the guy goes, hey, that's my roof. That's my house. You guys are tearing it. And the other guy looks and he says, it's okay. He's a carpenter. And they lowered it down. And they brought the bed before Jesus. And here's the point. I have two minutes. Here's the point that I want you to catch. In four years, you're going to be in school here. Some of you less. Some of you by choice. Some of you not. But in your time period at school here, you have to learn this. God uses us to reach people. God uses us to reach people. He gives us that opportunity and Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. Lord, if you are, oh, forgive me for saying this, Lord, if you're foolish enough to let me do this, I'll do it. Here am I, send me. I like to tell people I graduated in the top 95% of my class. Think about that. Most people brag about being in the top 5%, 2% because they're so smart. I was in the bottom 5%. So I graduated in the top 95%. God can use you. They opened up that hole. They lowered down that man. And look at what verse number 5 says. No, don't look at verse number 5. Look at me. This is what it says. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the man who was paralyzed, Son, your sins are forgiven. What a picture. When Jesus saw their faith, God is going to use you to reach somebody for Christ because of you, what you do. What a great thought. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful this morning for the opportunity you gave us to be here. God, I pray that you would help us to reach people that you bring into our lives. Thank you so much for the opportunity to serve you, to be called the children of God. In Jesus' name, amen.